Our Gospel reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11. He was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is a friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give, give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. Do you know how to pray? Does it surprise you that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray? Does this passage make you wonder what John taught his disciples about prayer? Just to confirm, as you probably suspected, there's no evidence about that. We've been praying, haven't we, most of us, since we were little children. Grace and gratitude before meals. Bedtime prayers for the angels to keep us all safe. The familiar and beautiful Lord's Prayer. Pastoral prayers in church. When do you pray? Do you set aside time each day for prayer, perhaps at the beginning or the end of the day or both? Perhaps you say quick little prayers throughout the day, 
as you encounter different situations. Lord, give me the patience to get through this difficult meeting. Lord, help my friend to endure this terrible illness that she's going through. Jesus, help me to know your comfort and peace while the world is in turmoil around me. Thank you, Lord, for the love that I know in my life. God, you are so gracious and so good to have given me this beautiful child, this awesome world, the goodness of your love. Anne Lamott, that down-to-earth popular Presbyterian author, has written a wonderful book on prayer. It's called Help, Thanks, Wow. She says that these are the three categories of ways that we human beings pray to God. We ask for help when life gets too difficult to bear. She writes that our needs can range from something like she was dealing with during the writing of the book, the death of her old beloved cat. She needed God's help to face the death of that cat who had been with her for so many years, to things that seem to us small like that, to the vast things, the needs of a world seemingly so out of control that we can't imagine order being restored without God's intervention. And then we give thanks to God when we look at all the blessings we've received or for one very specific blessing, a good outcome after surgery, the return of a spiritually lost child, another day of life. And then finally in the wow category, we marvel at the beauty and awesomeness of God's world a sunset over the ocean, a cascade of water down the mountainside, the eyes of a newborn baby. For many of us, such prayers come naturally throughout the day, almost without effort. It's interesting then that the disciples want to learn how to pray. They too must have grown up learning Jewish prayers. Perhaps they needed to learn a new way to pray. In Matthew 6, Jesus instructs people to pray in secret, not like the hypocrites who pray for effect. There in Matthew, Jesus says that prayer should be a private matter between the individual and God. But the Lord's Prayer is something different. Clearly, it isn't a private prayer because it starts with our Father, not my Father. And it goes on in the plural, our sins, our daily bread. William Willimon and Stanley Hauerwas have written an excellent book about the Lord's Prayer and the Christian life. It's this little book. I'm going to talk some more about it, but I just highly recommend this book to you. 
They stress the importance of saying the Lord's Prayer together as a church, the body of Christ. It's a corporate prayer that we repeat every Sunday, sometimes deeply considering the words that we speak aloud, sometimes simply repeating the words we know so well and have known for a lifetime. These authors say, by the way, that some people sometimes feel guilty when they realize that they have said the Lord's Prayer and they have not concentrated on each request, on each phrase of the prayer. They've simply said it because they know it so well, and they say that that is okay, that sometimes we do look very carefully and think very carefully about each part of the prayer, but other times it's something that we know so well that it's deep within us, and the whole meaning of it is deep within us too. These authors argue that this prayer forms us as individual Christians and as the church, that we become disciples of Christ, not understanding fully what it means to follow our Lord, but gradually growing into the life of a Christian as we say and try to live into this beautiful prayer. My sermon owes a great deal today to this book. And I do, again, highly recommend it to you as a very thoughtful introduction to the Christian life, even if you've been a Christian for your whole life. The authors say that what we learn from the Lord's Prayer is absolutely essential to our faith. They write, truth is not a set of propositions about the world. Rather, truth is Jesus Christ. We know truth by coming to know this person, and we know this person by learning to pray as he taught us. They say that as we pray in this way over and over again, each week in community with one another, we are bending our lives towards Jesus Christ as we gradually become Christians. If we take this view of the Lord's Prayer, it becomes ever clearer that living as Christians involves a whole lot more than coming to church on Sundays. Praying for God's kingdom to come leads us to believe that we must be involved in somehow shaping that kingdom as we go on and on praying in this way. At some point, we must become the instruments of God in bringing about the kingdom. Because if we pray over and over the same prayer every week and we see that the world is still in chaos, that the poor seem to grow even poorer, that the exiles are still strangers in the land and remain uncared for, that the oppressed are still beaten down by those hungry for power, then doesn't this make a mockery of our prayer unless we are to be God's instruments. Thy kingdom come is a prayer of hope and of commitment. It says, Lord, we believe that your kingdom will come to this earth one day. It says, 
our Lord Jesus taught us to pray in this way, and we, as his disciples, believe that he guides us into the truth and that this truth is that the kingdom is the Lord's. And that our hope, as Paul taught us, in things unseen is for God's will to be done. Believing and hoping as we do in God's will confirms our commitment, our best efforts to ensure that we do all we can to establish God's kingdom, even if just a little corner of it in our small space on this earth. Jesus' instructions are very clear. Name God and who God is, our Father. Give praise and honor to God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Pray for the kingdom of God to come to earth, thy kingdom come. Pray for God's will to be done, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Ask for what you need. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgiveness. Ask for it and forgive others. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Keep us from trials and temptations. Do not bring us to the time of trial. As we pray this prayer together, we hold ourselves as well as one another, as well as the broader Christian community throughout the world, accountable. We learn to be Christians as we teach others to be Christians. We speak this prayer out loud, affirming our commitment as we listen and hear others speak the same prayer. As we, as Willimon and Hawass write, in speaking the Lord's Prayer, bend ourselves towards the Christian life, we witness the same growing into faith in those around us. We know that we, all of us, pray this way because Jesus taught us to because this is one aspect of the Christian life that Jesus directly said, do it this way. Here are the exact words you use to address God. And what about God's response? These verses that follow the Lord's Prayer in Luke have always surprised me. They're so practical so real, so humorous in a way. They continue the God as Father theme. Picture it according to Jesus' image. There is God in bed with his children, all tucked in for the night, when one of us comes knocking at the door, asking for some bread to give to a surprise guest. God does not rush to answer the door. But if we are persistent enough, if we knock long and hard enough, says Jesus, God will in time get up and answer us and give us what we need. 
And then next, Jesus tells us about little children asking for eggs and fish. And who would give snakes and scorpions to their children? This gentle, father-figure God that Jesus offers us, while he is, yes, a heavenly father, he's also a nurturing, caring, loving in a practical way father who is closely engaged with his children's well-being and their daily lives. He is the one we turn to when we need neighborliness, when we need food, when we need the reassurance that someone is there in the middle of the night, when we need to know that we will not be turned away empty, or that despite all our failings, that we won't be given by God something that will hurt or corrupt us. I'd like to just share a couple of uh, paragraphs from this book. Um, it's, again, about the journey of being a Christian and the role that the Lord's Prayer plays in that journey. So Willimon and Hawass write, Think of Christianity not primarily as a set of doctrines, a volunteer organization, or a list of appropriate behaviors. Think of Christianity as naming a journey of a people. As you read the Gospels, you will note that Jesus and his disciples are always on the way somewhere else, breathlessly on the move. So from Mark 6, they quote, Then he went about among the villages teaching. He called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority. He ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money. The journey is an adventure in great part because it is a trip with Jesus, a trip toward trust in him rather than trust in those securities and crutches in which the world has taught us to trust, that is, bread, bags, and money. They continue, by praying the Lord's Prayer, we are being made into a people whose journey is a sign to the world that God has not abandoned the world to its own devices, but is present as a people on the move, a people moving out from their old ways and means, ordinary people who have been given the extraordinary authority to be part of the divine assault upon the realm of evil as those who cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. This Christian journey is amazing. It's joyful. It's terrifying. All at the same time. Let us bend towards it and live into it together with Christ as our teacher and our guide. Amen. <laughs>